This is the Clean Web Conversations podcast, growing the global clean web community. It is your host, Woon Tan. So, welcome to another episode of the Clean Web Conversations channel. And if um, my name is Woon Tan, I'm your host. If you're new to this channel, welcome to the show. We are all about growing the global clean web community where we shine light on the innovations that are taking place in the clean web movement. So welcome and um, I'm really glad that we have Bruno from Energy Deck today. You've got 15 years of experience as an enterprise solutions architect. You have been implementing large-scale distributed IT solutions and you're an expert in all things agile and accessibility. That's according to your LinkedIn profile. Is it? Uh, <laughs> yes. So basically, I am the CTO. So. Yes, you're, you're the CTO of Energy Deck and... Energy Deck is a London-based clean web company. You're a software-as-a-service company that provides an energy management community platform for the built environment. And you've actually been uh, you've you've been founded in August 2012, and you've actually uh, been awarded quite a number of awards as well. And uh, so, yeah, let's jump straight into it. Uh, what is Energy Deck? So as you said, Energy Deck is an online energy management platform for the built environment. So it's all about uh, gathering a lot of meter data. So whether it's your gas meter, electricity meter, all that sort of things. But we are slowly turning into the IoT platform for the built environment because we, we now gather data for all sorts of things, including temperature, humidity, CO2. Uh, and uh, and the idea is to present this information to the users so that they can understand their energy use and manage their uh, energy better, hopefully reduce it. Mm. Um, so that's the core of what Energy Deck is today. And uh, one small correction on the uh, dates you've got, the company was actually funded in October 2011. Ah, okay. Because I, I think I got that from your LinkedIn. Yeah, no, August 2012 is when I joined. Ah, <laughs> okay, okay. How did, um, how did you get involved and how, how did you met Benjamin, your, your founder? Right, so the, the story of Energy Deck. Uh, Benjamin Cott, who is the CEO and founder of the company, uh, used to be uh, the green operations manager for Google for Europe. So basically his responsibility was... Uh, to manage the energy and the sustainability of all the buildings that Google operated in Europe. Mm -hmm. And what he discovered very quickly is that he had no software on the market that would actually do what he wanted to do. So he ended up using Excel or other Google Sheets <laughs> to manage his data. And, um, and that was at the time when Google was coming up with this idea of the uh, smart meters that you could add to your iGoogle page that eventually got canned the day he left the company actually but that's got nothing to do with it <laughs> um, so Benjamin left Google and decided to build the platform he wished he had had when he was at Google and that's when it all started right. so what happened next is that um, he started with the first prototype uh, then found a development team well there were a few uh, stories behind this, but eventually found a development team uh, based in Kiev, in Ukraine, uh, and uh, the first version of the platform went live in April 2012, 
and uh, at some point he discovered that he was spending way too much time on the technology and way not enough time on actually selling the product. Uh, so he started looking for a CTO and conversely completely um, uh, com in a completely unrelated way uh, I was at the time working as a contractor for Lloyds Banking Group mm -hmm. so if you ever have a, a mortgage with Lloyds Bank and you can see it on your um, on your online banking you can blame me <laughs> for the way it looks um, so um, basically I was working for Lloyds and I wanted to move uh, from Lloyds uh, because I had been working as a contractor for large organizations for quite a long time. And, and uh, as I worked in a startup 10 years ago in the banking sector, I wanted to go back to a startup environment. So mm -hmm. I started thinking, okay, well, what, what, what can I do? Um, and at the same time, I had plans in the summer to be a mentor for Young Rewired State. So if you don't know Young Rewired State, it's a non-profit organization. They do hack weeks Okay. Uh, they do a hack week every year with teenagers. So it's basically getting teenagers who, well, so I won't talk about why I too much, but if you have a teenager who's interested in technology, go and have a look. Um, and I was going to be a mentor for them. And I thought, if I'm going to mentor kids doing hacking on computers in a limited amount of time, I need to do it myself sure. first. So what I did is I decided to go for a hack weekend organized by Rewired State, which is the for-profit branch, for-profit company associated with Young Rewired State. Uh, and who do every day, they do, uh, every year, sorry, they do a uh, hack the government day, where right. you get to play with government data and do things. So I find myself in a, in a DEFRA office, uh, playing with data about uh, best measure to retrofit to the to an average three-year-old, uh, three-year-old, sorry, uh, to an average three-bedroom uh, suburban home in the UK. So uh, I did that. We put everything online on GitHub, and Benjamin was happily looking away for a city and found the stuff we did. So he contacted all of uh, the people who worked on the hack day who did something in energy efficiency, saying, I've got this cool startup. Do you want to work with me? <laughs> And I was the only one to say yes. <laughs> so we met up for coffee, realized that uh, actually uh, we got on well together and we were always very interested in the subject. And, uh, and that's how I started with Energy Deck in August 2012. So it was through the hackathon, the, the hack events and... Yeah, completely. Yeah. So very random, um, which shows that opportunities come knocking in unexpected ways sometimes. That, that's, that's a... <laughs> Yeah, that's an amazing story. Um, what were the challenges since uh, since you've joined the company, and you know what's um, what's what's been the sort of developments since since then? Well, the development since then is that we acquired a third person in the company called Nick, uh, who's now working as a CEO for the company, and who and the story is really nearly as random as mine, uh, <laughs> where basically he was he was working for CBRE. So big company that does a lot of things in energy efficiency and was looking for a platform to do his work. And a friend of him, a friend of his suggested Energy Deck. He, he registered, logged in, and sent an email saying, oh, I really like this. Um, I could use it with my customers. So Benjamin being the usual uh, 
jumping on the opportunity, seeing the word CBRE in the email, contacted Nick, and eventually they realized that there was actually a better thing to do than providing energy deck for CBRE. It was for Nick to join us, <laughs> which he did, uh, in uh, August 2013, I think. So since then... We spent a lot of last year uh, trying to get uh, a funding because we, we got an SEIS round of funding in April 2013. Yes, April 2013. Uh, and we were looking for an EIS round, which took us a lot longer than we thought we would. So, we, so we thought what, what is an EIS, EIS round? I'm the wrong person to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so no, basically, uh, you've got... so. I may get it completely wrong. The way I understand it is that you've got uh, the British government has different uh, tax rebates for uh, angel investors who invest in, in early stage companies. So a very early stage round is the ACIS round, which is limited cap to £150,000. And they get a massive rebate. I don't know how much it is in, in terms of their taxation when the... Uh, Um, when you invest in a company at the ACIS level and the EIS level is slightly further down the line and I think it's capped at 500k or something along those lines I may my numbers may be completely off so you'll have to check them uh, and they get less rebate less tax rebate because it's a, slight, it's a company that is a bit further advanced but one thing we realized when doing uh, the round is when you go for a very early stage round people will fund your company based on an idea. Fine. What we found ourselves is a year later thinking, oh, we now have customers who pay us, so we've got revenue, it's going to be easier. No, because as soon as you have revenue, the potential investors forget about the idea and look at the, and look at the finance. And then you start being asked some very hard questions about <laughs> financing. Uh, so, which is why it took us a very long time to get this funding. We finally got it end of November, and there was much uh, joy in the office. Um, so, what this means is that we uh, we now have cash uh, to be able to expand the company. So that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, we are hiring. Mm -hmm. So. We're hiring a couple for a couple of positions in uh, sales, one junior, one senior. But uh, more importantly, in my mind, is we're hiring developers, uh, front-end, back-end developer. I need someone for system administration and DevOps as well. So uh, if you're in that field and you're interested in a cool company, come and work with us. We'll definitely add on the links and um, you know, um, yeah, get, get people to be involved. Ah, all the news. As you said earlier, we won a number of uh, awards, but more importantly, we, uh, you know that there's uh, Innovate UK sure. uh, gives a lot of money to companies, uh, to small companies who want to do innovative things. And especially uh, there was an IoT launchpad call uh, that occurred last year, uh, by the end, uh, through around the end of last year. And uh, we put in a bid with uh, a friendly company we uh, I know very well called OpenTRV, okay. who do uh, basically it's about uh, TRV and uh, 
purely thermostatic radiator valve. So the thing you've got on your radiator is to control the radiator. And it's about making them smart. They're definitely on the um, on the list uh, as a future uh, guest on this Absolutely, show. Absolutely, you should have them here. So basically, they did all the hard work, uh, but uh, we uh, our bid was accepted, so we have a project that we will uh, start in April with them um, about uh, delivering cheap sensors and uh, cheap data sensors that can be easily fit in buildings uh, because one of the biggest issues we have today when uh, we look at the ability to measure the energy that uh, buildings consume is that the hardware is still very expensive from, uh, compared to everything else. It is still the biggest cost. So uh, that's one thing we want to address with OpenTRV. Not only is it the biggest cost, but it's also a big source of um, uh, of management effort. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things with the Internet of Things, which in hindsight you, you can say it's obvious, um, is that you're going to measure everything. So put sensors everywhere. Mm -hmm. But what that means is that, statistically speaking, you've got a lot more, you, you've got a much higher likelihood that at least one of them will fail. So one of the issues we tend to face is not well, apart from the fact that there's no standard and every single supplier has their own data format, that's, that's fine, we're used to that, um, there's the fact that very often you, you tend to have uh, sensors that stop sending you data. So, and the reasons may be weird and wonderful um, but it's, uh, and that's one of the main thing we want to, uh, to address as well, to at least have the ability to manage a very large number of sensors and understand as quickly as possible when one is failing and why. Uh, because if it's, if you've got a large office buildings with 200 sensors in it, okay, five, 10, five, fine, you can go and fix them. That's not to... Uh, that's annoying, but you've got someone whose job it is to do that. If you're looking at a different use case like social housing, where you have a landlord with, say, 100 different flats and five sensors per flat, if you've got 10 sensors failing in 10 different flats, then it's no longer the case of you've got to send one person. It's a case of not only do you have to send the person's round, but you've got to liaise with the, t uh, with the tenants to get into the flat, to get the work done, and all that sort of thing. So um, it's very important to be able to manage these properly. So it's the scaling of the, the number of sensors and the, 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 there must be some sort of systematic issues that can be solved in a... Yes, in, 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 yes, in practice, uh, you have... So, so part of it is detecting that something's happened and then starting to uh, be able to diagnose what happened. I mean, uh, it could be anything. Uh, I mean, it could be uh, the the most common we find is the battery in the sensor is <laughs> flat. <laughs> as simple as that. You've got to replace the battery. So, uh, but if you know within a day of the sensor failing, then you can go and fix it. And if you've lost a day of data, well, uh, that's fine. If you find it after three months of winter, you've lost your whole data for your whole winter season, 
which uh, is a lot more annoying. Yeah. So that's a bit of the, the, the technology challenges that you're facing. Let's talk a bit about the, the, the partners that you've got. Like you've got uh, quite a few users, uh, groups of users that, you, um, that are currently on your platform. And yes, so uh, the, we've got two primary groups of users and then a few more. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the two big groups of users would be uh, commercial real estate, so people who own office buildings. Uh, and the other type of uh, users with whom we work a lot are social housing. Um, because interestingly, they both have a similar set of problems in the sense that they own a lot of buildings and all of those buildings are tenanted. So they have tenants in those buildings and every time they need to do something, they need the agreement of the tenant. So there's a lot of um, other things we find in in energy efficiency is that we know how to make a building energy efficient in theory. Um, very often nowadays you have the budget to do things but very often what is missing is the engagement between the different stakeholders. The landlord, the tenant, the managing agent, the ten- they all agree that generally something needs to be done what this thing is uh, varies. Now, who's going to pay for it and who's going to get the work done varies a lot. So if, if you're into building, if you want to change the lighting in the building, okay, you can do that yourself. That's fine. You're the tenant. You can do that. If you want to insulate the walls, you need the landlord to be involved. So that's, that's the sort of areas where, uh, where we find a lot of traction with, with what we do. Um, and in the commercial real estate space, we find a lot of traction simply in terms of operational efficiency, because uh, companies who own uh, buildings today have to report on their energy use. And uh, typically, if they want to report in their end of year accounts on their energy use, they, uh, they typically have one person spending spend three months with Excel spreadsheet trying to gather the data and make sense of it. So if they've got everything in a platform where they can extract it in a few hours and and have the whole job done in a couple of days, it's that much saved. Mm. So there's this huge sort of saving in time and and potential sort of financial savings from the analysis that comes out and, and the discussion that goes on. Yes, but one major thing that we see is just having visibility of the data is a massive uh, help to the people who manage the buildings uh, and especially having visibility of the data quickly. They don't necessarily need real-time data, but if you are able to see your data updated every day and you see today what you did yesterday, it's a lot more useful than if you see it with a three-month delay because if you, for example, the energy you use today when uh, we had a cool uh, snap last week, or even part of this week, and if you only see your day, your energy use, when you get to bill in March, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. You, you, you can't really act on this. Whereas, if I show you today what you did tomorrow, 
Well, well, you, sorry, no, I don't have a TARDIS yet. Uh, I wish I had. Uh, if you, I show you today what you did yesterday. Coming soon. <laughs> um, then you can take action. Sure. Yeah, it totally makes sense because um, yeah, the, the, the further back you go, the, the less you think you could have um, changed your situation. Yes, because... the. the the only thing you can do is say, well, okay, maybe I can put something in place for next winter. But that's... That's another that's few months again. Another, yeah, that's yeah. another nine months to wait for yeah. to see the benefits of it. Whereas if you get your day today and you can immediately do something today and then tomorrow you use less energy than you used yesterday. And, and it it's, it's gives you quick feedback. So you can see immediately, oh, I did that yesterday. Did it work? Yes, no. That, that totally makes sense. And there's also a really interesting thing that um, I've noticed is that the, the sort of community sort of benchmarking, like sort of sharing of information. Yes. So one of the things we have in the system is that all the, all the energy data we get in the system uh, is anonymized and used to produce benchmarks. The reason why we're doing this is that you have energy benchmark in the UK, but they are old, uh, 20 years old, the CPC benchmark. Um, and buildings have evolved since then. The technology has evolved. So today, um, nobody really knows so whether you're good or bad compared to your peers. So you can get an EPC and it tells you whether you're A, B, C, D or whatever. But do you know how many, on average, what what rating the average UK property gets. The other problem you have is that although you can do benchmarks for residential properties, because they tend to be reasonably homogeneous in the way, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the way they operate and the way uh, they build, this is not true at all of commercial properties. One office building will behave very differently from the next one. So one of the things we're looking at is at being able to do smarter benchmark than what exists on the market today and being able to recognize not just what the building is like, but what is it used for. So, uh, for example, in you could have in the same building, you could have on one floor a travel agent, on the next floor an investment bank. They will have a very different uh, energy use because the investment bank, every single trader might have three uh, screens on their desk and all that sort of things. Well, maybe six or seven, actually. Um, or in a lot of buildings today, I mean, if you go to, uh, let's take a, an iconic example, if you go to the Shard, on the ground floor, you've got, um, you've got some retail uh, space, you've got some restaurants on the floors 31, 32, 33, and they will have a different uh, footprint than the other floors. So it's having the ability to model this and say, okay, part of my building, my building is primarily an office building, but part of it is retail. Part of it is restaurants. So um, can I then benchmark this independently? So can I pr produce a benchmark just for the office part? And is it comparable to other office buildings? Mm. Or can I start doing smarter things like benchmark um, retail stores 
And do I have a difference between retail stores that are part of a bigger building or retail stores that are standalone in the high street or retail stores that are, that are part of a mall? So it's, it's the sort of things we're doing. The other thing we're doing in terms of community, well, there's two other things we're doing in terms of community. Um, uh, one of them is uh, we have the ability to, uh, to track retrofit projects and what, so what you do to make your building better. And the results of those projects are also anonymized and shared back with the rest of the community. So, so the best can... practice gets Yes, shared. what we what we want to get to is a position where the best practice starts coming to uh, starts becoming more visible. Um, because one of the issues you tend to have is that whenever you want to improve the efficiency of a building, the first question is what should where should I start? Mm -hmm. And um, you will have. You've got a lot of companies that will give you advice on this. Uh, if you, uh, if you, if we're talking about domestic buildings, you have the Green Deal. You have all sorts of things. These uh, recommendations are not always very accurate, and um, because we don't have the data to validate that those changes actually work. Some of them we know work well, like loft insulation, but others that are more uh, unusual, we don't we don't necessarily know. Um, so the idea here is that we can build a database of projects that have been validated, uh, where the savings have been validated, and, and start bringing the better uh, the better solutions to the fore, knowing as well that what you want to look at. So there, there, is, there, wo there won't be any universal best solutions, but what there, what there will be is solutions that work for a particular type of buildings. So you should be able to say, that's the type of building I have. What is my peer group of buildings? So, which would be buildings with a similar fabric in a similar area, with a similar, uh, in a similar climactic area. What do they do? What worked for them? Can I do the same? So, so you get much more tailored sort of actions that you can take. Yes, that's, that's the idea. To, 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 have, to have recommendations for your buildings that are a lot more tailored to what your building actually looks like, mm. what actually is. Based on real sort of evidence. Based, based on real data and based, uh, based on evidence mm. because you, we have the energy used before and after a project so we can validate what savings uh, what savings you've had on those. The latest community aspect that we've got in the system is we have the ability to to regroup users in community groups. So, um, uh, so for example, uh, if you've got your, uh, your house on the site and you want to, uh, to bring your friends with their own buildings and put it in a community group to see, uh, to enable you to see what others are doing and how well you compare to each other. Um, that's that's uh, a very powerful tool. Cool, so that, that's the sort of, almost like gamifying it to, to make actual real behavior change to some a, extent. A little bit, yes, because it's, it's a way to say, well, um, the guys next door are doing a lot better than I do. Why is that? What have they done? <laughs> Um, and and we, we've done that very successfully in, uh, in Bristol with uh, the West of England Carbon Challenge, um, where uh, uh, the, 
majority of the uh, of the businesses that took part in that challenge uh, have their data on energy deck and are able to see uh, how they do and, and how they compare to their peers. Question about the the future vision of energy deck. So if today is January twenty twenty, um, you know, looking back in the last five years, what would uh, you say would be the highlights or the successes that uh, energy deck have achieved? Oh, well, twenty twenty will have taken over the world. Of course. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean uh, seriously, what I, what I think where we would want to be is to be. Uh, I mean, the, the, the energy efficiency market, is, it's a massive space. There, are, there, are sp- there is space for a lot of companies. But where we, want, we would like to be is uh, in a position where we are the go-to platform for people trying to solve the energy efficiency problem. And then typically you've got, um, if you look at energy efficiency, it's always the same question. It's what do I need to do? Who's going to pay for it? And how do I do it? So the people answering those questions tend to be three different type types of organizations. So the first one would be your energy consultants who are going to look at your building, understand how it behaves and gives you a recommendation. Uh, so that's if I use the Green Deal uh, uh, term, that would be the Green Deal assessor. Um, people who finance would be the bank, whatever, or, uh, and people who actually uh, implement the, the change would be your, um, uh, your service provider, your, uh, your retrofit provider. Uh, so we want to be, we would like to be the, the, the go-to platform for those people so that they can um, use this as the tool they would use. So we'd be the plumbing for those people if you want. Sure. So that they, they would use the platform as the tool to uh, to do this business, to uh, to assess the building, uh, provide recommendations um, for the people financing, possibly finding the interesting projects that they want to finance, and for the people doing the job, actually giving them the, the ability to to uh, to record the basic information about the projects, and also to validate this, to so that they can demonstrate that the savings they've achieved are in line with what they planned um, and and loop and, and close the loop yeah. basically um, so so uh, that's where we would like to go that's probably not where we will end up because as ever things change sure. um, in terms of uh, challenges over the next five years it will be the typical challenge for a startup which is how do you scale Mm-hmm. And it's not just a technical question, it's a question of, uh, it's a business question. How do you get more customers? And then, uh, which is also why we want to go that way, because we find that working with partner companies who, um, who can make use of that tool to progress their business is actually the better way for us to, uh, to scale from a business perspective. And then there will be all the scaling issues that will fall on me like how do I scale technically and um, uh, and deal with millions and millions of data points cool I like that um, sort of yeah co-creating a sort of pro- product that serves both more than one party and yeah um, 
If you got any sort of advice or any last words for people who are part of the clean web community who are interested in this uh, this particular area, any word of advice? Yeah, because uh, I'm sure that people who are listening would be you know, uh, interested in starting their own company or facing similar challenges as a clean web company. I would say it's it's the same as every startup. You've got to keep going at it. And uh, if, if you look around today, the, the startups that make the headlines today, a lot of them are 10, 15 years old. It's the, the whole thing is that the people who built those businesses didn't give up. And clean web uh, at the other day is an, an area that is full of opportunities because there's a massive amount of work to do in clean web. Um, just in terms of energy efficiency, uh, some smart people, I can't remember who they are, uh, released um, a, a report last year on the American market, but the European market is very much the same, saying that the energy that could be saved through energy efficiency in America could be equivalent to a completely new form of energy. In terms, in terms of the amount of uh, what you'd call negative uh, megawatts, mm -hmm. um, the, the amount of energy that could be saved is, is equivalent to a completely new type of energy. So there, there is a massive amount of uh, opportunity there. There is a massive amount of work to do. But the problem with clean web uh, which is not exclusive to clean web, but um, is that you deal with buildings, you deal with physical things, and things take a long time mm. to happen. Um, a building is a structure that will stand for hundreds of years, possibly. So anybody dealing with the built environment has to be in for the long haul. And uh, that's one of the issues we found in, uh, in our uh, funding, is that a lot of uh, Android investors and VCs are looking at a, an exit within three years, five years. The quick wins. It doesn't work when you talk about buildings. So one of the areas that we're missing in industry today is... Um, people who can finance clean web and who are able to take a slightly longer term view. And um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hundred year, a hundred year view. I mean, it could be 10 years instead of five um, because everything takes longer. And, and I think that's typical of the, of this new type of startups, uh, which, uh, Actually, I was, I was in Helsinki at the end of last year for a, um, a seminar on the, on the subject and we, and we ended up calling them smart-ups, which is those, those startups that are no longer purely online, that, are, that start online but deal with the physical world. Mm -hmm. So it can be companies like Energy Deck, but it can also be the companies like Uber or, um, or other types of companies that, that deal with things that mix the online and, and physical world. And in that sort of environment, 
things take longer. Uh, things take longer to happen. Sounds take longer. Everything takes longer. So companies in that space are unlikely to um, to grow to have the meteoric rises that you've seen in purely online startups because part of their work is physical. Sure. But on the other hand, the clean web companies and, and people who, who deal in the IoT space are trying to solve much more complex problems. If, if you look at the, the area of these companies that, that work in this space, just the, uh, the thing about um, the buildings, uh, transport, food, those three things themselves represent the majority of the outcome of any family, uh, I would say on earth, but certainly in Europe. Most families in Europe will spend a lot of their uh, disposable income will go on housing, transport and food. But those are all physical things. So when you start... Um, when you start doing work in that space and uh, and displacing the incumbents in that space and um, the things will take a lot longer but the potential for uh, for returns is absolutely massive because it is a very big part of what everybody does. I think we have to wrap up now. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Bruno. It's been yeah, a pleasure chatting with you and uh, we'll connect with you here on this channel. If, if, you're, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe and we'll be publishing more videos like this. Thank you very much. The Clean Web Conversations Podcast.